The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. I am Mike the Hobbit here to deliver some of the most stupid ideas for adaptations that you can find this side of the internet. And tonight we're going to be talking about one of my personal favorite cheesy 1980s sci-fi action films, The Highlander. Uh, You are probably very familiar with it based entirely on the Oscar-worthy acting of uh, one Christopher Lambert or Lambert, however you like to say it. Uh, here with me from your brain on facts to disassemble this movie and reassemble it into our own version is Moxie Labouche here from your brain on facts. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, absolutely. I just realized right before we started recording that I think the only time that I have you on here is when it's for a film uh, that ha- the theme song is written by Queen. Yes. Is, uh, unfortunately, though, that's the only two. That's it. So, and so yeah. we're, we're done, I guess. Happy trails. We're going to have to find one. some other band that does uh, soundtrack stuff in order to continue this because, oh. yeah, Queen's only got the, the last time you were on. We did, of course, Slash Gordon. And uh, we had some some real fun uh, figuring out how to kind of adapt that into a new version. I mean, it's such a product of its time. But I feel the same kind of goes with the Highlander as well is that you get a little, maybe a little more wiggle room than uh, Flash Gordon. But not a whole lot. It's very it's a canon film. Well, I, I think it, meaning it should be shot out of a canon. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that that if the sequels have shown us anything, it, it was a film from its time and should not have tried to extend that time. <sighs> yeah. If uh, you are not familiar with the sequels for Highlander. Congratulations. Uh, you've been making good life choices. It's probably a good idea. I have the uh, unfortunately renegade version of Highlander 2 only because I'd never seen it. And then I rented it for movie gallery. And in the two weeks from when I rented it to when um, I went to return it, uh, it movie gallery shut down. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm assuming it's mine now. I I don't think there's anybody going out to collect movie gallery movies. I mean, Highlander 2 was so bad. There are actually three separate cuts of it because they just just keep trying to salvage a decent plot out of what they put out. What I love about you being on this show is that just like the last time you were on as well, and uh, you joked before we got started, you're going to be bringing a lot of your factoids that you see on your brain on facts onto this show as well, because, uh, I mean, you can't help yourself. I, I really, really can't. I mean, I'm fairly certain that my first words as a an infant were, um, actually, 
But I love it because I uh, know a little bit of trivia about Highlander and, and a little bit about everything. But you deep dive a lot more than than we do on here on your show. So I'm really excited to have a little bit of that kind of sprinkled in while we're coming up with our own ideas for uh, adaptations. I'm glad you say that now because I wrote down more factoids than I did substance for the episode. <laughs> okay, well so then, we'll see if that'll carry me. Uh, I'll work on the riffing for the character development and you can do the facts. And then with our powers combined, we're going to have a fantastic yeah, episode. We'll be like Howard Stern and Robin. Absolutely. Before we get started, I do want to mention that T-shirts for this podcast and all the other podcasts on the Geeks Under the Influence Network are available on our Tee Public store. You can get there by going to www.gypodcast.com slash store. There's a link right there. We've got Smack My Pitch Up shirts. We've got Geeks Under the Influence shirts. We've got inside jokes, all sorts of stuff available there. And uh, so, you know, represent some of your favorite podcasts uh, from the Geeks Under the Influence Network. And, uh, you know, give us a few bucks to help us carry it through with storage fees and and all the other costs that go along with this fantastic yeah, little project. I'm, I'm wearing one right now. <laughs> it's radio. You can't prove I'm not. That's true. It's true. So, yeah, let's get started on this. Uh, Highlander is, uh, of course, it was starring one Christopher Lambert. Uh, Sean Connery was also uh, very much a major part of it. And Clancy Brown oh. as the the, uh, the Kurgan. Yes. And Clancy Brown plays such a fantastic villain. So good. So good, in fact, that a lot of people on set wouldn't go near him because he was just he was so good at embodying the character uh, this character that is ruthless and vicious and sadistic and creepy. And people just walked a mile around him. They just didn't want to even interact with him. I can absolutely believe yeah. that. I mean, just from the opening scene that you see with him in, he's on this cliffside and there's lightning coming down and he's super pale, like. Like he would make any goth club envious of how just pasty his skin was with this crazy like helmet made helmet. of skulls. Yeah. And just looking all sorts of nuts. And then by the end of the film, he's got this leather jacket with one shaved, shaved, head, shaved head, waggling his tongue at nuns. Yeah. Just and, absolutely disturbed yeah. and demented. And uh, and he does it with his delivery. And there's nothing held back. He doesn't try to like. This make is, it it's realistic. Not, this isn't or, about subtle. No, there's no subtlety to the character. But I think that's why it works so yeah. well. So that's, I think, what also makes this such a uh, cult classic of a film is because it's just, it's a bonkers plot, but there's a little bit of almost kind of philosophical nuance sprinkled in accidentally into this action film about like the, just this nature of man and the nature of like existence and, you know, uh, immortality and what that does to a person uh, and relationships. And I definitely want to kind of carry some of that uh, philosophy over into my adaptations as well. Uh, Now, for those unfamiliar with how we do smack my pitch up is we will come up with kind of an idea for a reboot, remake, reimagining, sequel, sidequel. And uh, then we do the casting. We talk about directors. We talk about who we would play, have play the different characters uh, for both a, a serious version that we think might actually work and a funny or weird kind of take on the film as well. Um, now, as far as the plot goes, uh, before we get into the casting and everything, is yours going to be relatively close to the original movie or you're just going kind of. Now, when I came in last time to discuss uh, Flash Gordon, I wanted just to to remake the film as it was so that the new generation could see it sure. in all of its glory, but, you know, with good looking special effects. I am flipping the script this time. OK, excellent. this is at best a spiritual sequel. I, I don't if, if there's a term that's even slightly farther to the left of well, that. I think that's kind of where it goes into reimagining where that it's, it's not necessarily even the same plot. So much as you're using a lot of the same characters, you're trying to create. A uh, see, common... that's that's what I'm not doing, though. Okay. I am. I am. I've 
different characters. Well, do you want me just to go into it or you yeah, want to do yours first? Uh, no, okay. let's go into the, your uh, your plot overview yeah. um, to get started. This sparks from a, a single realization that even though in the lamentable Highlander, the quickening Highlander 2, we're given an explanation of why these random oh, people are immortal. Yeah. That they're space aliens who all happen to have the names that they have when we meet them in the film, which is not even the only name any of these people had. <laughs> it's tiring it's a tiring movie michael ironside has some great one-liners but oh, sure. outside of that it's worthless and also uh subplot. dr cox from scrubs as a bad guy in there i think as well some, uh, he's know. like a ceo or something like that or there's the guys with the goggles and the, the beaks and the hair oh. porcupine hair that's all i remember but um so no the question of why are these individual random people immortal was was what was rattling around in my brain mm -hmm. and i started to think about different characters in religion and mythology and folklore that have been cursed to walk the earth some of them until the end of time okay uh characters like cain yeah as in is it the the first murderer yeah that, that was his punishment he has to walk the earth forever um another biblical figure the wandering jew he taunted jesus on his way to uh, the crucifixion mm, okay. and said, you're just going to wander the earth till I come back. Uh, there's a, a female character named Kundri. That's the same thing. La Llorona, uh, a tragic mm -hmm. figure in Mexican folklore, a woman who killed her children to try to get her man to marry her. And he said, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, what were you thinking? Yeah. In what world does that oh, work? No, he's, he, he would not marry her because she had given birth to three children out of wedlock, his children. So yeah. it's not all on her. She, he made her crazy. Ashwatthama, who was a, a Hindu, uh, an Indian warrior who had done something really cowardly at the end of a battle. And so he was then cursed. Okay. Uh, and Jack of the Lantern, who was such a wicked Irishman that he could never get into heaven, but he had once played a trick on the devil so the devil wouldn't let him into hell. And he was given a single glowing ember to light his way to the end of time that he kept in a hollowed out turnip. I did, I did know that where they we started get, in turnips. Yep. And that's where jack-o'-lanterns come from. So and so when you say wicked, you don't mean in the Bostonian kind of way where he was just like oh, super wicked, Irish. Wicked that's a pisser. wicked Irishman. Wicked pisser. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's, no. that's some Irishman there. Yeah, no, he was just like a, a not likable, okay. not likable guy, not a good guy. So there and there are many more figures. I couldn't find any in Eastern mythologies, but there have to be. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, the big twist here, they are all wanting to fight to the death, but they all want to have someone else kill them because they all want to be dead. They, then they're all functionally invulnerable, except for the beheading, and they all want to get one of the other immortals to kill them because nobody wants to end up being the last one. And I think that's kind of where it flips the script a little bit on the Highlander, is that the whole premise for most of those stories being that the immortals don't yeah. want to continue living. Vampire stories, a lot of the same time, uh, it's they lament the fact that they're immortal as long yeah. as they continue to drink blood and kind of do it almost out of lack of anything else to do is that creates value to a man's mortality in these stories. So it gives us a sense of feeling that it's OK that we die one day to, ha to have these immortal characters that, you know, are not stoked about living forever. That that gives us greater value. Uh, so it's a way for us to feel better. Where Whereas with the Highlander, it's it doesn't really approach it that same way. And that, that, that gives it a kind of its own originality that it's more about through living that long, you have a better sense of humanity because you've lived through so much of it. Well, the, the, well, maybe probably just because it was 
Connor McLeod that won, that he was then, once he had the prize in the position to help all of mankind, goodness knows if the Kurgan would have been <laughs> quite as helpful if if he had won it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so they want they want to be the only one where is in in my take they want anybody else to be the one they don't they do not want to be the only one that's left they want they're trying to get the others to kill them yeah. everybody's trying to get somebody else to kill them rather than trying to kill the other person so uh with with these different characters that you've kind of looked up throughout all sorts of different cultures in the world was there any one particular that kind of like spoke to you as kind of pulling into the highlander story or I think that these could exist in the same universe, but on a different planet. It's this, you know, okay. like like I said, whatever is to the left of spiritual sequel. Okay. So it's a whole new, a whole new set of characters because we can't just keep spinning off McClouds. You know, sure. every time, every time we need a new project because we had Connor McCloud in the movies, we then need to do Duncan, a series. Now we're gonna have Duncan McCloud. Yeah. You know, it was okay. Find you in McCloud. We'll just you know You're make right. one up. You know. You could always make you could always make Jack of the Lantern Scottish rather than Irish. So this sounds like kind of kind of a uh, sidequel reimagining where it's it's in a similar universe to Highlander, but with a kind of a new concept. Yes, yeah, a spiritual sidequel imagining. All right, cool. <laughs> now this is this more kind of exploring just the immortal the immortal nature of these uh, these you know characters and kind of how they interact with each other, or is there like you know. To save a girl or you know what is what's the driving force here well you were mentioning vampires how how they lament their immortality and this is gonna be a deep cut if one person gets this reference i'll be thrilled uh that is a mentality i refer to as nick knight pussy syndrome which refers to a particular vampire wanting to be mortal like dude you're a demigod just go with it so some of them are going to be lamenting it you know jack that, was that a forever night reference Go Team Venture. Wow. Yes. Okay. I'm like, ooh, I know that one. I do know that one. <laughs> Holy crap. So I've already hit my quota. You're there the one go. person. Right. The one person. There's someone I hope heard that and just screamed a little bit on the inside because. I've heard from fans actually occasionally they'll just yell at their stereo when we're getting something wrong or that we're trying to come up with it and it takes us a second. Yeah. yeah. That they'll just yell at their. Oh, I do. Yeah. I do. Absolutely. I do on the other I side. Yeah. I do on the other side. Yeah. But then you're, you know, some are going to be very serious about it. Jack of the Lantern will probably be trying to trick the other people into killing him because mm -hmm. that, that was kind of his his thing. I mean, he, he was able to trick the devil. So, yeah, he can probably trick, you know, Cain into killing him. Yeah, sure. You know? So you're just kind of like pulling all these immortal characters into the Highlander mythos to kind of exist as part of the story. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're going to be having the same serial competition, as it were. But just for the complete opposite reason. You know, what I do like about that is that that's something that wasn't really explored at all with the Highlander is that they all try to keep a low profile. So there aren't any of these stories of them being these mythic characters or creatures from from, you know, history uh, that was explored a little bit with a movie I love called The Man from Earth, uh, where it's about a professor that is packing up to leave and he's talking with all of his other fellow professors and it ends up coming out in conversation that he's immortal that he's been around since like basically the caveman days and they decide to kind of humor him as a philosophical exercise yeah. and ask him questions and they're digging into it. And it turns out that he was Jesus <laughs> and like all these other characters throughout history that, uh, that he didn't intend it to turn out the way that it did, but the way humanity is. And, and I thought that was always kind of an interesting take. That'd be cool to kind of pull that into Highlander where these different characters, you know, the, the J Jack of lanterns or Lorona, uh, that are mythic. Yeah. are actual just people that embody it. So, yeah, I like that. 
that when you t- when you talk about the professors going along with it as a thought exercise, I immediately think of um, uh, the tw- the 2,000-year-old man, uh, the Mel yep. Brooks yep. And, and Carl Reiner. Absolutely. Stick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Man from Earth. Less funny than that. Of course, Mel Brooks, it's hard to be funnier than that. Indeed. Indeed. And can can he please hurry up and make History of the World Part Two before he dies? He's only like 90. I need Jews in space. I really do. (laughs) It needs to happen. Um, For mine, I actually kind of, as you were talking about, you know, aliens and all that aspect of the the second one, I wanted to incorporate a little bit of that into the storyline, but just completely shelve the second movie for the most part. Just little. I think we'll all be happy if we just... Put it behind us. Yeah. And never speak of it again. It's a thing again. that happened. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like a bad ex, you know, as long as you learn something from it, it wasn't a mistake. Yeah. But put all their stuff in the dumpster and let's move on and with our lives. And just move on with your lives. Yep, absolutely. So I did want to change the tone a little bit. I'm using a lot of the same characters, but I'm putting it in a different environment with a slightly different tone. And uh, what I thought would be kind of fun is to move it up to kind of a similar time frame as the second movie where it's set in the not too distant near future, future yeah. inner future. There's no weird like atmospheric. We're not, uh, we're not, we don't need yeah, to. No, we don't. We don't we're we not don't, going into that, but it's kind of dystopian, like borderline dystopian. It's not full on, you know, police state, but it's definitely kind of run down. So a like bit. we have an unstable dictator in charge. Sort kind of, of a little something like that. Boy, I mean, that is, is going to be a stretch. That's going to be hard to imagine. It's going to yeah. be. Really hard to suspend your disbelief on that one. They're kind of closing off the country, building infrastructure like walls and stuff, you know, just kind of settling into a very militaristic state. So, Mm. again, really hard to Hmm, put a finger on that. I don't know. I mean, will will you also have marginalized people being treated very poorly while the rich and powerful continue to get more and more rich and powerful? Well, that's where we're going to go into where instead of Connor being a antiques dealer like he was in the first movie, which would make complete sense is that he's uh, does a lot of humanitarian stuff with the money that he's earned over the years. You know, he's lives a very comfortable life and uses that as a means to take pity on the people that actually die. You know, that he he's very much a very simple man of simple means. He doesn't have a lot of extravagant stuff like a lot of, but he is very comfortable financially and he's helping people along in this not, not so great, uh, you know, situation. It's got a little bit of a cyberpunky tone to it. And as far as the origin of the Highlander, I did decide to stick with the alien race, but not in the same sense of it being like that they got transported from another dimension or whatever. That yeah, like apparently our Earth was Australia for the planet Zeist. Yes, yeah, something. Yeah, I we're not we're not doing that. It's more so that it's alien DNA that was incorporated into human DNA, which created a um, a longevity of life that was basically immortality. So, is this aliens humping monkeys or? Uh, this is alien experimentation in the early days of man. Aliens humping monkeys, got it. Yeah. And, uh, and the immortals that they knew them, as we know them now, basically um, bred within their own tribe long enough where they end, end, ended up becoming sterile over time. So the, what oh, remained so that's of the, why they can't have children. That's why they can't have children. Oh. Uh, because of just the weird genetic uh, hybrid nature of their genetics, it now, hybrid or inbred? Because first you said a little close, bit of both. Yeah, first uh, you said happened. close, close breeding, and yeah, basically, yeah, we're working on both uh, engines on that one. <laughs> so eventually, they just kind of breed themselves into um, sterility, and so the but the people that still live, you know, are living are immortal. So they have gone to walk the earth, and as far as killing each other, I've, I'm still kind of debating on how that goes about, but I'm assuming it has something to do with actually being able to drain some capacity of power from the people around them. Like they do in the, when the quickening happens, um, that it lengthens their life. 
that much longer. So they're trying to basically you know, cling to this immortality that is is finite, but to a great degree. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I have it set up. How come none of them are short? If all of these people are hundreds and <laughs> thousands of years old, because I was also thinking this when you were talking about the man from Earth, that they'd be like four and a half, five feet tall. They would you be know? short. They'd be like feet, little short bunch of people. little Danny DeVito. They would not be Clancy Brown. Yeah, that would be amazing. Basically, basically, that would be amazing. Can we make that happen. I want that. Uh, I'm just gonna throw a, a bullshit answer out there, and uh, because of the genetic manipulation, they were unnaturally tall for their for that era uh, when they were uh, hybridized and inbred. You can't be okay. We're gonna talk later about how you can't be both a hybrid and inbred they're, they're hybrids and then they bred with each other so that they became okay inbred. okay, so okay, the, the okay. Follow, yeah okay so so they, they were the hy- hybrids of aliens and monkeys who then inbred with other hybrids of yes, aliens and yes. monkeys. That, okay. then they became okay. sterile you know it's just science it's All, nice yeah, yeah it's science because it's science. Just, that's hard science so um that's kind of my idea now uh, do you have a casting for uh different characters and people that you'd like to to have in your in your film well, if we're going to have Kane, uh, might as well get Henry Rollins. He's he's done, done it before. He's done it once already. And then this can be also be a spiritual sequel to He Never Died. Which uh, is a fantastic movie. And not just because I'm a fan of Henry Rollins, just in general. I thought that was incredibly well done. I will, I'll watch basically anything that he's in. He's, I, I'd say he was him. a lot more believable as Kane in He Never Died than he was as the scientist in Johnny, Johnny Mnemonic. Mnemonic. So, yeah. Nothing was believable in Johnny Mnemonic. No, nothing. What are you? What are you wanting? Uh, no, um, this may sound like a, a stretch and kind of an, an odd thing. I write this down on the wrong line again. Boy, I, I've only got to fill out my own little piece of paper and I always write it down on the wrong line. <laughs> I do the same thing pretty wrong regularly. Um, John Is- uh, Jason Isaacs, excuse me, Jason Isaacs, uh, who you might know best as uh, Lucius Malfoy. Oh, okay. Though he is super punchable with that blonde wig on sure. something, something about that blonde wig just gives him Buckfeifengesicht which is a, a beautiful German word meaning a face in need of a fist nice okay. Buckfeifengesicht Kane would be the oldest one of all of the characters because he'd be like since the dawn you, of man so, well so, yeah about 6,000 years old so if anybody yeah. is 140% done with this it's him yeah you know and I also want to you know cast someone of the tribe to Oh, fair enough. Kane. Yeah, absolutely. You know, same thing, same thing with the Wandering Jew. Um, for as much as I would, I, I'd love to get Tom Hardy to reprise his um, Alfie Solomon's character sure. from Peaky Blinders. So I good. Just, that was when I was sold on him. I could I, I could take or leave Tom Hardy right up until Alfie Solomon's. And I'm like, this is amazing. I just want to watch this character talk yeah. the whole time. And why was Adrian Brody with his feeble Brando impersonation in that show adrian brody you know i loved him years ago and it just seems like he's missed the mark more and more as time goes on he's not trying anymore no no but like i'd like to actually cast for for the wandering jew and it may sound strange but john stewart okay if you've seen him with the beard yeah because he just lets it go yeah and he yeah you look because 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 the wandering jew was somebody where arguably a joke went awry and you know John Stewart started in in stand up back in mm-hmm. in the eighties and and early nineties. And if anybody knows what it's like to bomb, it's yeah, a, a stand up comic from def- the eighties. Yeah, absolutely. I also what I like about John Stewart is that like with with the the 
the Jewishness of of his the way he portrays it in his uh, delivery. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time is that it's very nuanced. He'll do, he'll do the shrug and the and then yeah he'll throw out just a big a big yeah. show of it just like little little fireworks here and there throughout his uh, delivery of it and I just it it's it works almost like an exclamation point or or punctuation of some type yeah. that he uses it and it's just brilliant it's just really smart uh, delivery so that well, would be you, you fun. can't you can't keep it contained. You no, know, you can't. No, you, you, <laughs> no, you can't hold it in. Fair enough. Well, so, for for Connor McLeod, are you going to have Christopher Lambert, or are you going to bring in somebody else? Because he's he's getting long in the tooth. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, trying to get him to Christopher Lambert to be uh, another character, and I thought about Ramirez because I do like to get as they got an older play the older character that kind of deal. Yeah, did that with Greatest American Hero and uh, with a few other things, but no, I decided to go just totally different. Uh, so for my uh, serious. Uh, first off is the directors. Uh, I want to kind of go oh, over mine. Over that. Yeah. Uh, the directors that I went with for my serious version, that's kind of a pseudo dystopian future um, kind of stark uh, version of Highlander. I went with John Hillcote, who is director best known for uh, the movies, The Road, uh, mm. The Proposition and Lawless. So I want to have it kind of a dystopian Western kind of tone. That could almost, be good. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, just the highlander seems like it would work really well with the kind of old gunslinger um uh, mythos of like yeah, going to it, the town and finding the big gunslinger yeah, guy and having a showdown does. and yeah it so, absolutely does so it would 100 percent work with that kind of tone where there's not as many people anymore because there was like a, a famine or something you know that that caused it to become militaristic and closed off the swine flu finally came and got us yeah it was sort of something along those lines and that's why a lot of these uh immortals are starting to kind of come out of the woodwork because there are less people the quickening is starting to get moving because there's not as many people left. It's harder to hide when there's a smaller crowd kind of deal. And I, I think so just a lot of uh, dirty, partially empty streets with showdowns with samurai swords with these, <laughs> these dudes would be rad as hell. And, uh, and I think that having that tone that uh, John Hillcoat does with his movies yeah. would be fantastic. Just a slower pacing, no, no feeling of rush, you know, that, that it really gives you a feeling of, uh, well, they've got all the time in the world. So, yeah, exactly. And I, that's the thing. It doesn't need to be rushed because these characters aren't. They, they can bide as much time as they want. So I, I think that would work really well. My uh, funny is I, I pictured that if we did the Highlander, uh, we could even do the futuristic version if we wanted to or just the traditional, but do it um, as a found footage movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided to go with a, uh, a new kid on the block, uh, Patrick Bryce. He's best known for the movies Creep and Creep 2. Uh, they were big hits on uh, Netflix when they came out on Netflix. And uh, I, I think it would be really fun that the uh, the woman in the Highlander movie, the the first Highlander movie, mm-hmm. that's like the cop. Yeah. The, uh, the British uh, consultant. Yeah, the yeah. consultant uh, that she's the one that has the camera is kind of like taking the filming of the thing um, during the the process of having the the battles and all the stuff happening. And then there's, you know, news footage and security footage happening and stuff. And you just kind of pull it together and it would be uh, terrible. Uh, but I think it would be kind of fun to see what that would look like. A found footage movie from, from like any point from here onward would just be cell phone video. Yep. It just be, just be all cell phone video, a vertical video. Half of the movie is going to be vertical yeah, with right. the black bars on the side. <laughs> yes. No, I, I just thought it would be kind of fun to see what Highlander would look like as a found footage film. So uh, but for Connor, I decided for um, the serious one, the uh, John Hillcoats worked with him before on proposition Guy Pierce. Oh, yeah. As a uh, yeah, as as Connor McLeod. 
And uh, for my not so serious creep, I wanted somebody that kind of very similarly looking to Chris, uh, Christopher Lambert and also kind of a wooden actor, uh, Thomas Jane. Can you give me a reference. Uh, he was the Punisher in the in the twenty was it two thousand eight or two thousand ten yeah. Punisher movie, uh, The Mist. He was oh that guy yeah yeah he was the father in The Mist and he does look He's, actually not as big of a forehead as, as yeah because Lambert. Lambert's got kind of a prominent brow ridge yeah Makes his eyes look very it's sunken. not quite as big of a brow ridge but very similar facial features so I thought it'd be kind of fun to have him play the role yeah actually I. I'd give that to him. And and for the record, the end of The Mist is awesome. And if you think it's not awesome, you're wrong. It's so, oh, it's such a surprise that it ends that way. That's why why I love it so much. It's just yeah. so dark. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, 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 there are other endings that are good other than happy endings. Yep. You know, and, and the ending can be tragic and still be amazing. You can be like, that sucks. This was a great film. Mm -hmm. You know, the two things are not mutually exclusive. Um, a bad ending or ambiguous ending. I have friends that hate it when it's left kind of open aired. And I love I love when that happens, like with uh, Inception, when Inception was left with the spinning top. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of left open to interpretation what that actually meant. I loved that because yeah. it, it was almost like the choose your own adventure of an ending where you just figure it out for yourself. Though the top was, one very strong uh, fan theory goes that the, the top was not his totem, his wedding ring, wait, bleh, but uh, his wedding ring was. Okay. Because he's wearing the wedding ring in the dreams, but not in the waking life or oh, vice versa. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd, I'll have to, so I go have back that and movie. Yeah, I'm going to have to yeah. rewatch with that in mind now. So um, for your, do you have directors uh, figured out for yours or did you just go right into the casting? Well, um. You know, if we are going to bank on name recognition, which seems to be the buzzword for Hollywood yeah, these absolutely. days, you could really give it to almost anybody. I mean, you could give it just friggin' Brian Singer ever gets himself out of trouble or, <laughs> yeah. or you know, uh, Michael Bay or if you're feeling very generous, Taika Waititi. Um, oh, that would you know, be just, fun. Because it, it would just be it would just be a generic science, uh, special effects laden sci-fi spectacular yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. without too much thought put into it okay so it'd be like nostalgia movie you know uh for doing it for reals uh to have this this multi-ethnic cast because highlander's pretty eurocentric there's one black guy yeah he has agreed. two lines and then he gets killed <laughs> castigar castigar oh, says we need to have a party and you remember that other party we had that was that was yeah that was the guy that like he had the liquor bottle and they acted kind of sketchy and it's like it's been a hundred years because it's been a hundred years yeah yeah they made a terrible on the delivery of like the one supposed yeah. to be joke in that entire film yeah and he's there to say we should have a party you remember that uh, i remember the last party you it's just like his two lines though there was there was um also an asian immortal in a scene that was cut, he and the Kurgan fought in like a really stereotypical early 80s looking office. Uh, unfortunately, you will never really see a lot of deleted scenes in special features on a Highlander DVD because they were all lost in a warehouse fire. Oh, geez. The film reels just went up like, well, like celluloid film. Yeah, like <laughs> old film reels yeah, used yeah. to, yeah. It, tissue paper has got nothing on, on nitrate <laughs> yeah. film. We all saw Inglorious Bastards. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no, for the for the for reals one, uh, Ryan Coogler, the director of Black Panther. I I'm astounded. He also did uh, Creed, uh, Creed oh, and yeah, Creed and Two. Yeah. And, so I and uh, was it Fruitvale Station? I think was his other one that he did I'll as take well. For it. I'm pretty sure. And um, he's incredible director. Yeah. I mean, like just got a real eye for 
small little things in a scene that really pulls it all together and gives it gravitas. Uh, fantastic. Act. Yeah. I, I would give him just about anything. Yeah. So yeah, I'm good with that. That works. Good. Good. Uh, for uh, for Jack of the Lantern, I know I know. Normally we're pretty parallel. We actually have the same characters. I thought I'd keep you on your toes tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't even know how to segue right into this, but you want a bankable star for your nostalgia movie mm-hmm. uh, who can almost do an Irish accent. Let's get Tom Cruise again. Okay, <laughs> he's great. Oh, and plus he'll be short, so this will. There work. we go. That would yeah, work for your. Great. Yeah. Did the, did they put his names on on the Apple crates that that he stands on? I wonder. Is it. You know, like it's like property of Tom Cruise. Yeah, well, like the director's chair and the the stars have. Tra- I think chairs it actually says uh, property of the Church of Scientology on them. Probably, so, yeah. yeah, probably. Uh, no, the 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 uh, for the for real version though, um, Killian Murphy. Okay. Uh, by order of the Peaky Fucking Blinders. Yes, absolutely. I I, I was uh, rewatching Peaky Blinders last week, and I kind of figured I, with all the mentions, two two, which is a lot for this it, show, but yeah, fair. Um, most of his stuff is him just is sitting there looking serious and speaking softly. And and as I'm fond of saying, I'm not saying I would do him. I just think I could trip him and be under him before he landed. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, he also has a lot more abilities as an actor as what he's been given in recent time. I mean, he's great in Peaky Blinders. He was great as the Scarecrow in, in uh, Batman Begins. But there's a, oh, yeah, so awesome. uh, there's a movie called Red Eye that he played a villain. And that's a thriller by it was produced by Wes Craven, I believe. That is absolutely phenomenal. He comes off very intimidating and scary. And then the other end of it is a movie called Breakfast on Pluto, where he play, uh, plays a uh, transgendered character in Ireland during the uh, during the Troubles. Oh, and yeah, wow. I want to check that out. That's real good. He also, does, he was in Inception. Yeah, and Inception so, as well. Yeah. True. Yeah, yeah. But also, again, the uh, kind of a more nuanced character, a subtle character, yeah. not big moves. Um, I would thoroughly suggest checking out Breakfast on Pluto. Yeah. A killer role he knocks it out of the park and it's just such a weird combination of different uh different talking points you know that it, it's it's an interesting movie so gentle listener if you've been keeping track at home you need to watch uh the man from earth and <laughs> yeah. breakfast on pluto yeah. we'll talk about those again later yeah absolutely and probably have links on the notes for this episode yeah. as we tend to do well, um, i'm assigning homework oh there we yes. go <laughs> next week we'll come back to see what your answers are yeah. um my next one, of course, is Ramirez that was played by the illustrious Sean Connery, who does not act anymore. He did League of Extraordinary <laughs> Gentlemen. And he said, the hell with like, this. Nope. Uh, this destroyed this my want awful. to act ever again. This is awful. Sean Connery, who was on set for the original Highlander for one week. One week. Wow. And refused to practice the fight choreography. Hey, Sean Connery, he can do that kind of thing. He got hurt. Oh, several okay. times because he refused to practice the fight choreography oh go figure yeah. and then you don't know what you're doing and then you yeah, get hurt and then yeah you get hurt, that's yeah. strange uh, if you don't follow instructions you uh get hurt it's yeah. weird um i he's the spaniard in highlander although he's he's a he's from egypt the egyptian from spain but i figured i wanted to have either a spanish character or egyptian or basically a not a scottish dude that's from egypt that's yeah, so really <laughs> nothing you say here can be any crazier than what actually already happened exactly yeah so I decided to kind of go with the, the Spanish uh, motif, um, either like South American Spanish or Spain. So for my series, I wanted Ramirez to have both an intense characteristics, but also very jovial and friendly at different points. Um, you know, I wanted to be him to be able to jump between the two different um, versions of that character. Uh, Javier Bardem. That can, was 
Yes. Absolutely. I was hoping you were going to say yep. that. I yeah, love he's, he's an incredible actor um, and he can be in, super intimidating like he was in uh, in No Country for Old Men. Yeah. It was fucking terrifying in that role. Um, but there's other roles he's done that he is very likable and, and has whimsy. Yeah. Oh, no, he, he, he looks like an amiable guy. When yeah. you see him smile, you're like, let's get a beer. You look, yeah, absolutely. You, know, you look fun. Um, but yeah, so I, I like that idea that he can go super, super serious when going against the Kurgan or where, where it's like shit's getting real. But when they're training, when he's showing him the ropes and stuff in the in the flashbacks, you can get that f- almost fatherly kind of loving, you know, playful uh, nuances to the character. Yeah. Now, as far as playful, I decided to go even heavier on my funny version, uh, the uh, found footage version. Mm-hmm. I decided mainly because I fucking love him. Uh, especially in the Ant-Man movies, uh, Michael Pena as, uh, as uh, Ramirez. Can you hand me that bottle of bourbon? Yeah, right. Was that a bit much for you? Like this one time, right? I was uh, this one time, right? I was fighting the Kurgan. It was about the 1700s, and he was all like, "I'm going to get you," and I was like, "Nah." I think I'm having an aneurysm. <laughs> Thunderclap onset headache. I think it being a found footage Highlander film, you can't take it seriously at all. And I think no. Michael Pena is definitely going to be one of those characters that throwing him in, you get. I think everyone, right will, away. everyone will emotionally check out at that point. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, oh, OK, so this is like the 21 Jump Street reboot where it's not supposed to be serious at all. where it's not supposed to be deep or, you know, it's just supposed to be nostalgic and fun. So that's kind of the, the approach. That Remembering I'm things, the movie. Yeah. Pretty much the member, uh, the member Barry movie, basically. Yeah. So, um, who else do you got on your list of uh, characters? Uh, well, there is um, Ashwatthama, the uh, the Indian warrior, and I was trying to do a funny and uh, and then serious, which is the format of the show. Uh, for the funny, I just put Cal Penn because he's the only Indian actor I could think of. <laughs> so for the serious, I put Cal Penn because he's the only uh, Indian fair. actor I could think of. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, my Twitter handle is Brain on Facts Pod. Contrary to what most people say. Please at me. I know I have forgotten <laughs> any number of qualified mainstream actors. I know Bollywood, you know, it's the dime a dozen. Great just, actors, yeah. Fabulous. I'm not familiar with any of their work, but I know you're going to come up with with five or ten names for me that I'm going to be like, oh yes, how did I not think of those? Yep. Those guys, they're fabulous. Please at me, Brain on Facts Pod. On and Twitter. we do have a. Uh, a decent uh, Indian listenership. So yeah, we might actually have some, some folks that. Uh, oh, good. Um, I'm going to get some excellent DMS then. I mean, you just might, or, or people that are, you know, maybe, I don't know, work somewhere in the Bollywood industry for, for all we know. You know, I don't know who it is. I don't know their names, <laughs> people that listen, but yep. We'll see. Um, so, so at, that's, that's at, at him and tell him your names. Yeah, there yeah. we go. There we go. I want to get to know you really get to know well, you on a personal level one-on-one we don't say enough on this show either is that um you know as i'm the host of geeks under the influence to make it a lot easier on me because i run like uh, 32 pages on facebook and twitter and all that for all yeah. the different podcasts um anything that you want to talk to me about uh, on about smack my pitch up there's a hotline number 804-505-4484 uh it's 804-505-4gui or geeks under the influence at gmail.com or just a message on Twitter or Facebook, any of the geeks under the influence pages. I'm usually the one that um, will pick it up. If it's another administrator that checks it, they'll let me know. So not a big deal at all. That's the easiest way to get any info to me or any comments uh, regarding any of our shows. But uh, Say Hobbit, what is this handsome framed art over your left shoulder on the wall here? Oh, that old thing. 
Uh, that actually wasn't up the last time that you were yeah. here. Um, that is yeah, our, our finalist certificate for uh, being the second place overall uh, top voted geek podcast. Uh, second overall for uh, 2018 from Richmond.com and the Times Dispatch. The oh, Richmond Best nice. of. Yeah. I don't have one of those. Oh, it was it was fun. Uh, it was bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. Um, by the way, Kurt Autry, the women were like fanning themselves about Kurt Autry. And he wasn't, he wasn't being a creep at all. He wasn't being like <laughs> creepy old man. He was just being very friendly and shaking hands and taking pictures and just being very jovial and the girls were just like it's kurt autry and just losing their minds for the for the listener not in the home counties uh that's one of our that's our nbc news affiliate anchor and he has the best online presence i'm so glad this man is allowed on social media but he's not i mean he's not a bad looking man but he's not like mr handsome he's got a tim kane look you know just like he looks not like even, a not, friendly not, uncle. Not even that good. It's it's like less understandable than when women were dropping their panties over Matt Lauer. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm like he's not unattractive, but, but I the, don't I don't know what yeah. we're what we're getting Tom Jones level excited <laughs> over. Right. All right, so um, let me go to the next one on the list here. Oh, this one I'm excited about. Uh, the Kurgan. Yeah, the bar is set very high here. That's, I can leap this table if need be. Fair enough. I think I did a pretty good job okay. with this one. I wanted somebody that's kind of odd looking for this role a little bit, um, or I guess very original uh, kind of look about them and uh, a character that also was kind of, can be intimidating um, in, in their own right. And I thought a very fun. Is this, no, is this for your serious or for your this funny? This is my serious. This well, is serious. that is a, that's true of both of my castings uh, is that a very original look. Um, and uh, I dislike the phrase original look. I, I don't know where this is going. And all I can picture is Jaws from the James Bond. Well, it's actors that have their their own look about them. Um, these are actors that are not in the roles, but like Steve Buscemi, uh, William H. Macy. You know, these these actors that they are distinctive, but, very distinctive. Yeah. yeah, I guess distinctive is a better way to put it. Um, I decided to go with for my series, Rory McCann, who's also known as the That's Hound in the Game Hound. of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. Yarp. <laughs> yeah, and also the guy that says Yarp in uh, the trolley Hot boy, Fuzz. the trolley boy, in yeah, Hot the trolley Fuzz. boy. Uh, I accept that. Yes, yeah, uh, he's big. He's, he's a big, big dude, and he's got just a very strangely shaped mouth with very present the whole teeth. head. Kind of there, there's a there's a like weird... this part's kind of small and this part's kind of yeah. And I, I think for just a kind of a demented, like uh, twisted up immortal character, yeah, I think you could have a lot of Give fun that. With, with that. Yeah. Um, for my not so serious is a actor who I love dearly. I've been able to meet a couple times at conventions and uh, was always perfectly nice to me and has a ton of charisma, ton of presence, can be intimidating, but in a kind of friendly way as well for the Kurgan for the funny uh, found footage version one Ron Perlman as the Kurgan. Are you sure you didn't write those down on the wrong line? No, <laughs> yeah, that that's the order in which I was going for, because, again, there's a little zaniness to the found footage version. And uh, I feel like Ron I think Perlman, he, I think he'd ruin your zaniness because I think that that would be I think that'd be fucking awesome. Yeah, I think he would be great, probably Ron in Perlman either version, the, but the as the Kurgan, yeah. But I think he's able to be playful with his um, intense characters. A little okay, bit. so you mean like like um, Blade Two kind of kind of Blade character. Two a little bit, or or when he as Hellboy, where he's this intimidating character, but there's also kind of a. I don't know, like charming goofiness to the yeah. intensity. You know, I, th- I think he'd be able to have a lot of fun going against Thomas Jane as, as Connor McLeod, Michael Pena as Ramirez. It would just be uh, zany, I guess, best way to put it. 
So see, they're, they're both solid choices, but I would. You'd flip flop. I'd, I'd I'd swap those around. Yeah, okay. but but I, Rory McCann I could see as also an acceptable Kurgan. Yep. Okay. And uh, do you have any more uh, mythical characters to go through? Nothing that's really going to, I think, knock anybody else's socks off. Uh, we'll let a, the listeners in a little behind the scenes here. Uh, my appearance here was on short notice. Yes. So, yes. Uh, so this is as good as it's getting, folks. Hey, that's, you know what? A lot of the time, there's yeah. a lot of off the cuff that happens on this thing. That's kind of part of the fun. Uh, the two characters that I have left are just kind of the side characters. Of course, it's the big conversation is between, you know, Connor and uh, and the Kurgan with Ramirez in flashbacks as uh, as his teacher. And then you've got uh, Brenda Wyatt. Who uh who played the uh the She's forensics the forensics yeah. uh, woman in the uh in in the present day of the eighties yeah and uh so you wanted somebody that's kind of a little bit tough uh smart uh, won't take any shit but also just kind of you know uh loving nature as well yeah and so I I thought a great actress to portray that in the serious version uh so going against Guy Pierce is uh Tony Collette. I think she could play the like investigative it's, like it's not ringing bells for me uh, she was in United States of Terra she was uh, oh. the mom in uh, Little Miss Sunshine I believe oh, okay. uh, she's been in everything <laughs> um, fantastic actress uh, very very smart nuanced acting style um, comes off as a not going to take any shit kind of tone as well yeah uh, but with a with a good heart so I think that would play relatively well in this role and uh, for my not so serious I wanted a whip smart uh, independent woman kind of deal, but just a little bit more zaniness to the portrayal. And I love her to death, uh, even though she was in that terrible Ghostbusters reboot. But I will forgive it because she's fantastic as an actress as uh, Kate McKinnon as the uh, love interest Brenda Wyatt. See, I think she could stretch to the serious one as well. I think this is another one where you've, you've picked someone who could and well, could I, do there, either. There's a fine line between the funny and the serious version yeah. sometimes, but I just haven't seen her in a lot of serious roles before. So I'm sure she'd be capable because, as they say, uh, comedy is the hardest thing to do in acting. So if you can do comedy, you can do anything. I think it's the line. But uh, so I'm sure she's able to do a serious role and we might see her at some point do that. But uh I just know well, her, maybe, her. Maybe this would be her opportunity. Maybe this would help her to break out of the typecasting. A sweet, Your sweet. Highlander will will alter the course of her career. You'll be making and breaking people left and right. Playing the arm candy of the main male character. Well, uh, we could always, we could build up her role. That's I mean, true. The, the, this, yeah. the, Brenda Wyatt was not only you know, a forensic expert, but she was a published author. Uh, who had, had studied metallurgy. There's a lot to work with there. Sure. You know, she she was very knowledgeable on ancient Japanese sword making techniques. Yep. You got a lot, of, a lot you can do there. And I think anytime you get an 80s movie like this and try to modernize it, uh, you're going to have to build up um, auxiliary characters a little bit more because especially canon films, if you haven't had the opportunity to see the movie, uh, the documentary Electric Boogaloo, it's all about the film studio canon in the 1980s that came out with you know, uh, break in and break into Electric Boogaloo and the uh, American Ninja series and Death Wish, I think, two on and all these, you know, a lot of Schwarzenegger movies. And they they're the one that got uh, Mr. Chuck Norris um, where where he's no, known to be today. I mean, Invasion USA, stuff like that. It's big machismo nuts uh, but, action but rock. Yeah. The butt rock of action movies. Yeah. Rock action movies. Yeah. So, the, when so, you talk about modernizing these now, I'm thinking that okay now we're going to have these people chasing each other who now have cell phones so because these guys didn't have an opportunity to like harass each other remotely before 
I, yeah. c- I couldn't picture the Kurgan even on a payphone, let alone, you know, sliding into Connor's DMs. And I think that that definitely would need to be incorporated into the the playful version. Oh, sure. If not actually the serious one, because there's just going to be a lot of social media harassment going on as you're stalking your that opponent. Actually gives me a really good idea for a mashup that I'll get into in a second. But the, the last character, and this is a minor character, um, and... Uh, but an, an important one yes. is uh, his his love his, that his was his his Heather that was uh that was murdered by the Kurgan years ago uh, uh, same time as or no no um, no wasn't uh, um actually actually no you're and, correct and all I want if anyone who actually knows me hears this all I want out of life is to play in real life a game of um actually like college humor <laughs> does please I'm not asking for a lot out of life uh no she died of old age that's and right that, and no, that was she, that was part of. She was uh, Connor. Who she he was is taken playing. by the Kurgan when he killed uh, Ramirez. Yes. Yes. Okay. And never told him. In very much, uh, um, I don't know if anybody's seen uh, the Liam Neeson, Jessica Lange, Rob Roy. A similar thing happens in that movie, where the woman knows that this would cause her man to go chase the stronger enemy, so she doesn't tell him because yep. she's not going to help the enemy bait him. Sure. You know. And if you haven't seen Rob Roy, oh my God, what are you doing listening to this podcast? Yeah, right? You gotta stop. Come get my copy. We'll watch it together. It'll be fabulous. Jessica Lang is amazing. A, a Bri- bunch of Brian people uh, showing up from India to tell you about their actors and then watch Rob Roy with you, which actually have, that, that sounds like a good time. Actually. I am there for that. It's a potluck. Anything at my house is a potluck. There's a lot of fur. If you're allergic, just sit outside. Fair enough. But And Brian Cox is in it. And why is he never on our list? Because he's one of those. He's, he he's very versatile as well as an really actor. Really great in a- absolutely. everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Heather, you know, it's a it's a important role, but not a big role. Um, I decided to go with um, actresses that I'd like to see in more stuff mm-hmm. um, that haven't been in. They're very much known for specific roles. And I'd, I'd like to see this as an opportunity for them to come out into the um, into movies a little bit more for my serious uh, Catherine Winnick, who plays uh Lagertha, uh, Lagertha, Lagertha. Lagertha. Have you not? Have you not watched all of Vikings? Not all of Vikings yet. Oh Um, no, Lagertha. Yeah, I've I've felt fallen behind, but uh, Uh, yeah, she's amazing in that show. I I would have to stretch to. I I mean, I want her in that role. I'm smiling now thinking about it, but I'd have to stretch to seeing her as someone vulnerable because I'm used to seeing her as a shield maiden. And oh my god, how awful was Oslug? People who are groaning right now agree with me. The other, the other, the other woman that, <laughs> oh, that right. Ragnar has the rest of his children with. Sure. At, I have such a long list of unnecessary and annoying TV wives. It's oh, gotcha. just ridiculous. Well, I, I think she's a great actress. And I yeah. think this would be an opportunity for her to, A, like we were talking about, strengthen some of the auxiliary characters a little bit. She's she's an actress that can definitely bring strength to a character with just nuance. And uh not even having to show kicking ass, you know, there's just a, a power to her presence um, that I think would be interesting to put into Heather's role, especially not sharing what happened to her. You know, there, there's a certain yeah. will that is necessary there. And just the commitment of being with someone immortal, because he will have to have told her at some point. Sure. Because she would have noticed. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, hey, I'm in my 60s and you and, still look. And you're not. And we've had yeah. to move five times, you know, because because that's another thing, because you can't stay in one place yep. and anyone who's going to be with you can't stay either so do you know and and people back in the day didn't that that the the reason that the british isles have 800 distinct accents on a tiny tiny little piece of land is because people didn't leave their villages you didn't go more than 10 miles from where you were born so she would have to have picked up and left every decade 
because he he couldn't stay in one place long enough for people to notice that he wasn't aging. Yeah, so that's true. another another strength that she would had to have had mm-hmm. to you know stay with him. Now the uh, the the funny I wanted an uh, actress that again could play a strong character, but also uh, with a little bit more comedy to it. And I always try to incorporate some kind of roundabout connection to the directors. Um, if if I am able to, like you know, Guy Pierce was in the proposition that was directed by John Hillcoat. Um, that, that kind of thing. Um, I went with an actress that plays the wife of uh, Mark Duplass, who is the main character in Creep. That was by the director uh, in my funny. Um, Mark Duplass was the main character there. He's also in a show called The League. And his wife in The League is uh, Katie Azelton, um, who plays Jenny in The League. And um, she's definitely like a kid shit talk with the best of them, you know, wins the trophy, I think, a couple times during the series. Um, definitely is not given to her due as much as she should have been as, as she's like one of the few women characters that are at, at the same level as the men in that sh- series. But then that kind of comes around and she uses that as an opportunity to show them up on a regular basis. Um, and I think that'd be kind of a fun format with, uh, with Thomas Jane being uh, Connor uh, to, to see her and her going up against Ron Perlman too would be, very intriguing. See, I confused myself for a second there because when you said the league, I in my head was thinking of the guild, and I was like, oh. okay, it's not Felicia Day, so is it the the heavy girl? Is that who he's picturing? Because I was thinking entirely wrong. Oh thing. no, <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, the fantasy football TV show no. that uh, that John Lejoie is in as Taco. Um, a g- great series, I, absolutely fun. Even if you're not a big football fan, there's just a really well written show. Uh, she plays Jenny in that, so I think she'd be really fun as uh, as Heather. So, uh, so those are all the characters that I have uh, for my casting. So uh, we've got a found footage version with a lot of uh, whimsy and silliness, and then a slow paced, very stark, um, like kind of hopeless toned uh, near future dystopian Highlander movie. And uh, yeah, but but like with a little bit of a Western feel. And I love I love those mixed genres because when it when it comes off, when you do it properly, that's when you end up with like. Firefly and Cowboy mm-hmm. Bebop and, yep. and stuff like that. Absolutely. I mean, when it fails, it fails. Then you get Wild if, Wild West. <laughs> if it, uh, did you ever Did you ever see an evening with Kevin Smith? That's it. Which is it's it's him doing college speaking tours. It's just a recording of. I've seen a bunch of that stuff, so I'm okay. very likely. Uh, well, he's talking about when he was being he was tapped to write the uh, Nick Cage superman movie oh no that was covered in the death of superman uh, lives i think documentary where he talks about the giant spider the yeah and then, that, yeah and then in act three there's a giant fucking spider yep yeah. absolutely yeah no that is covered in the death of superman lives the, the uh, same original director that wanted superman to have guards outside the fortress of solitude yeah like he needs guards also solitude yeah also <laughs> solitude it's not really a good fortress of solitude if you have staff fair enough uh, so this is the part before we do our uh, our scenes where we, we do our in a world trailers. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of mashing up. Um, first off, just a real quick one that you mentioned that the texting, the Kurgan texting. And yes. it reminded me of like what a really fun mashup would be is um, Machete with Danny <laughs> Trejo, where it turns out that Machete is actually one of the immortals. And so instead of sword, it's a machete. Through. I am here for that. I, I would love if he shows up just and not, don't even call him machete. Can just, like, can we just re-record this and I'll, I'll just like, that'll be my idea. That'll be your idea just, the whole time. That would be amazing. fantastic as they remake Highlander. But I'm going to make Michelle Rodriguez be the Heather character because she can do other things other than just she's driving a car and has a gun. I'm, <laughs> right. I'm sure she would like to be seen as something other than the badass Latina. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
which why is it like always had it well they're fiery shut up um yeah, i yeah. mean yeah she's a badass but also yeah a, a, a more feminine role would be definitely interesting to see just something with a little bit of depth yeah absolutely you know. so um but yeah mach- machete meets highlander yeah i would 100 percent be down to see yes. that yeah highlander don't text or kurgan call- don't text yeah <laughs> <laughs> um the mashup what, we Kur- what the kurgan said connor a dick pic just to fuck with him he 100 percent would oh man and do you think that that the dick pic has a little skull helmet on it as well i'm pretty sure he would i am i'm almost certain that's the snapchat filter we need ladies and gentlemen (laughs) these dog these dog ears are done we need the skull helmet if any of our uh it friendly um uh, listeners out there want to do some kind of uh filter for us i would deeply appreciate it nobody else is gonna appreciate it but i would definitely we'll get on fiverr we can get somebody to do it on fiverr yeah right yeah um, the other options that we have here is uh, Infinity War. Uh, Michelle suggested that we mix it up with the Avengers Avengers Infinity War film, and uh, I could assume, I could see it actually closer in Endgame, whereas half the population is gone. You know yeah. what happens to an immortal when Thanos snaps uh, snaps his fingers? Do they die or do they come back? Or? I've been wondering since 1990 what happens if one manages to decapitate themselves in a suicide? Like what if they lay on a train track or hang themselves with a really really long rope and their head pops off? These are the thoughts that kept me out of the really good schools. I'm trying to remember. Kurgan had uh, like a laceration on his neck. He didn't, go, but uh, Connor didn't slash him all the way That's through. Right. He just okay. cut the he cut the meat. He didn't get through the spinal column. Yeah, okay. The spinal column's got to be your make or break right there. Gotcha. Um, Removing so you, the head or destroying the brain. Yeah, because nobody's retaining that power from if you were to do it yourself. So would it just like pop right back on or? Oh, I don't know. I like I wrote a in answer to that question. Uh, I wrote a fanfic, and it's a, that's a sentence I'm not embarrassed to say. <laughs> we all did. Don't lie. Uh, that that when that happens, it just creates a whole new immortal. It just, gotcha. Okay. So it, it's just it, somebody it, just it, like, what it, the hell? It cannot be created or destroyed. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. It has to go somewhere. Um, another option, and this one I think is actually um, one that's going to work relatively well, is uh, Conan, the Barbarian. Yes. No, or actually, it just said Conan, so it might be the late night talk show. Conan host. O'Brien. Yeah. Yeah, did you see when he was on, I think he was on Colbert, talking about having had his uh, his ancestry done, having had his DNA tested? No. And he came back 100% Irish, which according to his doctor, for that to actually happen, you'd have to be inbred. And his doctor yeah. just said, you know what that means? You're inbred. And he just like delivered it like that. Because <laughs> otherwise you'd be like, there'd be a little English in there somewhere or somewhere. a little some, a little Iberian, maybe from if, if you've got black Irish from the Spanish Armada, um, you know. Uh, these mashup suggestions that Hobbit is reading comes from the GUI Facebook page. So be sure you're following them on all of their social media. Absolutely. I'd also like to pose our gentle listeners a question. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the show that Queen did the soundtracks for Flash Gordon and for Highlander. They were originally only supposed to do one song for Highlander, but they were shown a rough cut of the film. Loved it so much they wanted to do the whole soundtrack. And damn the man that thought not to release their version of New York, New York, because it's wonderful. Oh, absolutely. But. If you could go back into the 1980s and have Queen do the soundtrack for a third iconic film, what 1980s film would you have Queen do the soundtrack for? Post it on all the GUI network <laughs> social media and tag your brain on facts. There we go. Um, I, I did get clarification. Our, our listener, Tammy, is actually the one that suggested Conan. And it's uh, yeah, just so she could see Arnold uh, do that sword swinging thing and, as he does before holding up and saying there could be only one. That would be good. That could, would be could, pretty could good. Could Red Sonia be there? 
I mean, clearly would be, yeah. have to be there, would yeah, be yeah. another immortal, I think. And you just use that as a flashback in the mythos of Highlander and you're good to go. And James Earl Jones is a badly rendered snake demon. Yes. Okay. Oh man. Talk about badly rendered. Yeah. That was, that was rough stuff. And then, um, our listener, Dave suggested space 1999, which again, I think that goes into would work a little bit better with your version with the different types of mythical characters that yeah. go in where you just carry it through to the future of 1999 um, as there's immortals on on, I don't know, the space stations and in space. And yeah, there's, there's one on the ISS. Yes, yes. very little competition, <laughs> very little competition. Uh, you were saying something earlier about um, that rather than being an antique stealer, your Connor McLeod would uh, would be a philanthropist. Yes. And we have the, the and that's a trope where the immortal people have managed their money very well. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be happening with most or all of my characters, <laughs> particularly like 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 Jack of the Lantern. And some of them are less employable than others, you know, yeah. but, but we always have this. Um, we, we referenced earlier the show Forever Night and they're all the vampires. there are all independently wealthy. There have to be some fuck ups that have just been living hand to mouth for hundreds of years. They're like, I have 20 bucks in the bank. And this is a good day for me. Yeah. You know? Or ones that develop like a significant drug habit and they've just built up such a tolerance that it takes an absurd amount to get oh high. And also they can't die. So there's no like, there's no negative, like if they do die, they the, just like take a nap basically. Yeah, basically they would like, like die for an hour. Yeah. And and they'd wake up in a room full of like dead overdosed college students. And be like, oh, <laughs> fucking light it. Uh, Lightweight. You, you said you could hang. Yeah, right. Oh, God. Now I got to move. Yeah. that I want to see that Highlander movie where it's just like <laughs> train spotting meets Highlander. <laughs> or it's, well, it's the, the actual effects of immortality on a, a human being as we know human beings. Because we, bar- we barely handle being alive for 60 or 70 years at a time. Yep. What is six or 700, even 6,000? You're going to have some emotional problems. Oh, definitely. And you're going to have some baggage. Yeah. You know. Well, hell, just like thinking about Groundhog's Day with uh, Bill Murray is that like after, what, was it six months before he decided he was going to just strike, start trying to kill himself? And I think the, the basis of that movie is that it, it's upwards of around 10 years that he's stuck in that loop. Yeah. That's the theory because he he learns to play piano and and stuff. Yeah. And so, but it didn't take him that long before he was like, no, I'm done. I can't deal with this. So like the idea of like permanence at, at that level of immortality would have to fuck with a human being on a deep, deep, like philosophical fundamental level. So, and and there was a proposed sequel for groundhog day where it would immediately start being Annie McDowell's character who starts looping days. So as soon as Bill Murray's character gets out of it, she goes into it. How fucked would that be? <laughs> well, how fucked is it that we, th- we have seen him developing a relationship with her, but in her life, it's only been a single day. That's true. So he's, he, all these grand gestures are all coming at her all at once. We, it's been an hour and a half for us. It's just been like 10 minutes for her. Well, I've also thought about that for a while is that he, spent 10 years perfecting this perfect day to get her to to fall for him um but what happens with the next days where granted he's got more talents and he's a much better human being after all is said and done but he's going to be deeply more boring than he was that first day where oh she, yeah come to think of it he's setting the bar pretty high real high right yeah. off the bat just like hey i do all these amazing things i'm beloved by this town um i'm somewhat of an enigma to you um isn't this amazing and then they sleep together and she wakes up in the morning and he's like cool i want to do literally 
anything else besides of what I did that amazing yeah. day that impressed yeah, you. Yeah, because I've spent the last 10 years working on that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, crap, I had a tangent. Oh, uh, in the scene where Bill Murray and uh, Punxsutawney Phil are driving, mm-hmm. uh, Groundhog bit the shit out of him. Oh, no. <laughs> bit the shit out of him, sent him to the hospital. And I think they had to skip filming the next day, which then made me think about how in Scrooged, the, where uh, there's a bit where Carol Kane, as I love Carol Kane, as the the ghost of Christmas present, oh, sure. grabs him by the lip and pulls him down to her level. That was plosive. I heard that the pee pop on the lip. <laughs> uh, she tore his lip. Ooh, yeah. He had to get stitches, and they had to not film. I mean, man, I've been stitches. They might have glued it back together, but they did, couldn't film for another three days. And while it, while he healed, well, he healed up healed. from that, yeah. yeah. Oh man. Well, method, I guess. <laughs> On whose part? <laughs> uh, I, I guess on hers. But yeah. at, um, at this point, we've got all that we have left for this episode is our trailers. So uh, we're going to kind of pick through the music. And uh, did you want to go first or second on the music or um, on the uh, trailers? I'll just go first. I'll go okay. First. Um, so which one are you going to do for yours? Are you going to do your uh, your uh, funny or, or serious? I am going or- to do the serious and I am going to cop all the way out. I'm going to cop all the way out. By reading the opening monologue from the original movie. Because you know what? It still works here. Hey, you know what? It I'm, still I'm cool here. with it. And for whatever reason, I suck at writing these trailer narrations. Fair they're enough. terrible. Fair enough. I just go off the cuff, so they're always yeah. terrible, but that's kind of the fun. But yeah, um, I, I've done some improv. For whatever reason, I can't do it to a mic. I can do it to an audience. I, I can't I gotcha. do it to a There is something to a, playing to an audience. To Absolutely. Yeah. But um, and, get uh, your music queued up, and then uh, we'll do your trailer. And one more, one more bonus fact on the uh, opening narration from the original Highlander movie, where you hear Sean Connery's voice with this amazing echo and it's very dramatic the monologue was a last minute addition to the movie and connery actually recorded it in a bathroom and that's why it echoes nice it wasn't an effect anybody added he didn't do it in a studio he just went into a bathroom with a microphone and recorded and it they're like fuck it like, let's print like let's great yeah, let's go send it yep all right um let's get the music going and uh this is your trailer for your highlander uh re- side cool reimagining i think is what we discerned right very tangentially loosely tied to a thing you've heard of. Yes. Okay. All right. We moved things around a little bit. I'm going to be doing mine first here. So uh, this is uh, for mine. I'm going to do the dystopian future uh, John Hillcote version of uh, of uh, the Highlander. So here we go. The year is 2065. Blight has taken out a massive part of the population. Those that are left travel between cities from coast to coast across the world trying to find a better life in what is left of society. Traveling through and now more out in the open than ever are the immortals. Meet Connor McLeod, played by Guy Pierce, as he travels to battle one by one the last remnants of a hybrid alien race. He teams up with Javier Bardem playing Ramirez as they train to go against the evil and merciless Kurgan, played by Rory McCann. Join Tony Collette as Brenda Wyatt as she tries to unravel the mystery that is this immortal man known as the Highlander battling against his ancient enemy, the Kurgan, who slaughtered his love, Heather, in years past. This summer, go to the future, fight for the future, 
Highlander. Wait, what movie was Fight for the Future? Uh, Fight the Future is X-Files. The X-Files movie, the first one. Um, Fight for the Future, I don't think is anything. Um, And that was stupid anyway. The minute I said it, I was like, that's so dumb. Because it sounds like time travel. If only there was some way to remove portions of the audio. Yeah, if only there was some talent that I had that allowed me to do something like that. Some piece of technology that could facilitate removing things you don't want the audience to hear. The funny thing is, at least with mine, I'd make my my guests sound as good as possible whenever I can. But uh, I will remove parts of audio throughout the entire uh, recording. But when it comes to the actual trailer part, I will just uh, let myself burn on that fire like the entire time because it's like I because of the echo and stuff that's added I think it's just funnier when I'm just like tanking real hard so um, alright so this is your turn now to do uh, your version of a Highlander um, side cool reimagining as uh, as we determined right call it whatever you yeah. want it's not going to get any better alright I'm going to get the music started and uh, whenever you are ready From the dawn of time we came, moving silently down through the centuries, living many secret lives, struggling to find an end to our endless existence. No one has ever known we were among you, until now. Mine's more of the teaser than the full trailer. Okay, all right. This is the uh, yeah the teaser for the trailer that comes yeah. out later yeah yeah I gotcha yeah and and we'll we'll put ads for the teaser for the trailer before the full trailer I don't about know. about a year and a half before the film comes out your version I don't know if it's just like your your inflection or that it wasn't like Sean Connery but it comes off a little creepier like like none of you knew we were among you it's like oh shit <laughs> like. So I don't know. Well, I mean, it, it is a movie about half a dozen people trying to get the other people to kill them. Yeah, you know. So it's, it's, have you ever seen the Suicide Bunnies comics? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's like Suicide Bunnies. (laughs) Okay. Suicide Bunnies, the movie. (laughs) Highlander, Suicide Bunnies. Bunnies. Yes, I want to see that. Could it have been any worse than, than, well, any of them? Just pick one because there there were, what, three other movies? Hold on, I had these. Uh, There are three versions of movie number two. Uh, number three had three different titles, Highlander Final Dimension, Highlander The Sorcerer, and Highlander Final Conflict. That's the same cut of the film. These aren't three different versions oh, like two had. Just They tried issuing it under three different names. There were a total of four TV series. I didn't realize there were four. Yeah, because there was the, the Highlander series, most of which was good. Yeah. Most of which was good. And then Highlander The Raven... I do remember the Raven with the the female um, immortal, right? Yes. Yeah. Freaking bottle blonde. Anyway, not not better. And there were two animated. Oh, I remember the fantasy one that it takes place um, like in almost kind of like a Middle Earthen type uh, landscape. Yeah, one was like really short. The other one was well, still pretty short because nobody wanted to watch them. Yeah, yeah. They were they were they were not good. Um, we were talking earlier about how. No matter what we come up with, our casting will never be as crazy as as the, the actual, actual casting, casting. was. Yeah. Where they got a Frenchman to play the Scot, and they got a Scot to play an Egyptian from Spain. Yeah, uh, some other people that were considered for the role of uh, Connor McLeod, uh, Mel Gibson, okay, Kevin Costner, Sting, 
Wow. Smacks of Dune. Yeah, right really. There. And Patrick Swayze. Wow. Which would have made it somehow more 80s. Oh, yeah. That feathered hair would be. But I would. I would watch that. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely watch it. And there's someone who. You see that scene of like Patrick Swayze and the Kurgan like making clay pots together like shirtless. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking more roundhouse kicking oh, someone's okay. head off. Yeah. <laughs> and there's someone who claims he was considered for the role. Just Hulk Hogan. Wow. Hulk no, Hogan I... believes he was considered for the role of Connor McLeod. It's possible that he was wanted for the wrestling that's at the beginning of yep, the movie. Because there is a wrestling sequence yeah. right at the beginning. Yeah, that would make a lot yeah. more sense. It was originally supposed to be a hockey game, but the NHL, uh, the NHL didn't want to be associated with the violence in the film. Oh, jeez. Self-awareness is over there somewhere. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. So that's how it ended up. He ends up at a... Uh, having his little PTSD moment at his war flashbacks at uh, the wrestling match. Oh, okay. You know, and yeah, so, yeah. so it's possible Hulk Hogan was wanted for that, but in his, you know, CTE and steroid infused brain thought that they wanted him to star in the movie. Clearly, because when I yeah. think, uh, you know, the Scottish Highlands, I think Hulk Hogan. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Uh, we're at the end of this episode. Uh, before we go, Your Brain on Facts, fantastic show. Um, where can we find Your Brain on Facts? Your Brain on Facts is a half-hour podcast of things you didn't know, things you thought you knew, and things you never knew you never knew. Available on all popular podcast platforms or at yourbrainonfacts.com. You can find me on social media at Facebook or Instagram slash yourbrainonfacts or Twitter at brainonfactspod. I do like um, how much attention you pay to your Instagram and Twitter because I do see on a regular basis little factoids popping out um, here and there of uh, stuff that you're um, that you're either coming up with soon on episodes, I believe, or stuff that just came out on episodes and uh, uh, or just factoids in general, I think. And it's just it's nice to have just a little like, oh, wow, I'm today years old when I figured out that thing. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's nice to have that on your feed. Well, that's what I'm trying to do, because I started the show as a way to try to vent all of the useless factoids in my brain, because not everybody has time or interest. Yeah. Like people would rather I just scan their groceries than tell them, you know, the history of mangoes, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, you know, but it backfired on me because in researching the, each week's script, it just puts more information more, in my yep. brain. So new episodes come out every Tuesday, but I'll, I tend to run facts about that topic from Sunday or Monday, depending on how on the ball I am through uh, through the rest of that week. So uh, we're recording this the day before Valentine's Day. So this week's episode was, of course, the worst breakups in history. Nice. You know? uh, there's some bad ones out there. I'm assuming uh, uh, Henry VIII. Yeah, uh, of course, some... you could not do the episode without including absolutely. You know, divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. Yeah, if that is, you know, if you ask somebody, how would you sum up your relationship with your ex, and the word beheaded comes up, don't move in with them. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. You know, I mean, so. you do you. Just my advice: don't move in with them. Don't move in with them, but move into iTunes on both Your Brain on Facts and Smack My Pitch Up, which you can find right currently on the Geeks Under the Influence stream. Uh, we should, in the next month, have all our own, own streams for every show uh, on the Geeks Under the Influence network, aside from Geeks Under the Influence, GUI Precap, and GUI Nights. They will be sharing feeds because, of course, GUI Nights is flip-flop. Every other week that there is no GUI, there's GUI Nights. And the Precap is a five-minute thing at the beginning of each week. So keep that all together. The rest of them is going to be on their own streams. Make sure to keep an eye on uh, on our iTunes and also gypodcast.com to get more information on our, and our social media on when all those switches are happening. 
Uh, but we'll have the links for your brain on facts on the notes for this episode. And uh, definitely subscribe, rate that, subscribe and rate Geeks Under the Influence as well. And uh, we'll see you guys here next time for another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. I am Mike the Hobbit, and as always, you just got pitch smacked. GUIPodcast.com This is Mike the Hobbit, direct from Fallout on a trivia night, telling you to come here every first and third Monday for trivia between 8 and 10, 25-cent wings, drink specials, prizes, and tons of really inappropriate trivia. It's a lot of fun. Do you guys agree? (laughs) Definitely come out and enjoy trivia every first and third Monday at Fallout.